Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today we are joined by Sammy Previtt, a registered dietitian, certified intuitive eating counselor, certified personal trainer, owner of Fine Food Freedom, co-host of What the Actual Fork Podcast, and host of the Find Food Freedom Podcast. Welcome, Sammy. Thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, so excited. So Tell us about what brought you here, how, you know, you became a dietitian and then an intuitive eating counselor. What is fine food freedom? All the things. Yeah. Well, I'll start with the end of that question because it's a little easier, a little shorter of an answer that fine food freedom is a virtual private practice. So we're made up of a team of registered dietitians, certified intuitive eating counselors, and we support clients with disordered eating or um, more of like the outpatient setting of eating disorder treatment. We have clients in Egypt, New Zealand, Spain, UK, of course, the US, Belize, like all over, which is just wild that like to even say that because a few years ago, that was not the case. We were only working with people locally in person. Um, but we do everything from online courses, trainings, membership to group coaching, one-on-one coaching. So our goal is to just help as many people as possible, make peace with food and their body. But I was not always doing that. And I feel like a broken record with this story. And I feel like so many dietitians have the same story to an extent because we are all thin, privileged white women for the majority. And our, you know, our profession has a long way to go to become more diverse and we need more people in this space. But as many people say, like I, I started on this quest as a college student really with body image issues, disordered eating, never had a full-blown eating disorder, but just thought like, okay, if I become a dietitian, I'll learn how to lose weight and then I'll help other people do it. And it'll be like perfect and life will be great. And then I graduated from Penn state more disordered than ever, like being accepted into an internship, like walking across the, you know, graduation day, like getting my nutrition degree. I remember being like, I am such a phony. Like I know nothing. I hate myself more than ever. I hate my body. Like, I don't know how to lose weight. Um, And so that is kind of how I left school and then went into my internship and was just so, so lucky. I was so lucky. The girls that were in my internship class, we were a small group of 12 and I want to say like probably like six out of the 12 of us now are like, like huge in the intuitive eating space. And like all like real, like Haley Goodrich is someone I always talk about. A lot of people know her. She was like really the straw that broke the camel's back. I feel like in our internship group, like the first one to break away and like start intuitive eating and eating disorder care. And I started to follow her on Instagram once I became a dietitian and was like, 
I just like called her. I was like, tell me about this intuitive eating thing. Like I had never heard of it, but like, it sounds great. And then once I read the book and learned more about it, I was following Haley and then Christy Harrison, listening to the food psych podcast. I was just like, oh my God, this is the magic answer that I've been searching for. And the answer is that you shouldn't be chasing intentional weight loss and like the size of your body doesn't matter and all of these things. So unfortunately, when I found that out, I already had a private practice and was supporting people with air quotes, weight management and all of that kind of stuff. So it took a lot of unlearning and dismantling and really just like lighting everything on fire and blowing everything up and then relearning and just having a lot of grace with myself that like we're taught as dietitians in a diet culture format and we're taught to basically give people eating disorders. So had to work through some of that, lots of therapy, lots of supervision and fast forward to now we're here. And so, yeah, that's a very, very abbreviated version, but I'll let you guys kind of take what you want from that. And we can go anyway with that. <laughs> totally relate. <laughs> <laughs> most, most dietitians do. 100% yeah. to everything you said, especially the phony part. I was like, I can't even figure out my own relationship with food. And I'm meant to be helping people figure out theirs. So I, I just so relate to that. And this idea that, you know, with dietitians in the space that we're in the capacity that we're learning, we are giving people eating disorders. We're teaching them how to incorporate all of these food rules. And it's just, it's really upsetting. And I've spoken to plenty of people who've actually gotten eating disorders from health professionals, including dietitians. Yeah. But when you think about our curriculum, like we never had some people, fortunately now are getting intuitive eating into the curriculum, mm -hmm. but like, I specifically remember a class called weight management where you were learning to literally like cut X amount of calories per day to help a client lose weight. Like no wonder we were all disordered yeah. and then we go out and like, it, it's just, it's wild to me, our profession. There's so we have a long way to go, but thankful that there's people like us that, and Jenna and I always say this on the, what the actual fork podcast, like we're happy Am I allowed to swear? I probably already yes, swear. Go okay. for it. I'm like, I probably already dropped a bomb, but like we <laughs> are happy to fuck up publicly over and over and over again. So people know it's okay because dietitians are typically very type A. You're the nutrition expert, like bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Like, no, we, we were not taught any of like what us three are doing right now. We were not taught this. So like, it's okay to mess up and not have all the answers and have to take it slow and, and just kind of start over. Did you use Fiona Sutherland as, mm -hmm. yeah, she's my supervisor. And she yeah. So I've used her for a few sessions and I went to her workshop with Haley, Haley and her before yes. COVID did some in-person workshops. So I went to that, that workshop was where <laughs> I've mentioned it on a few podcasts. Like I was bawling at the end of it because I was just like, Oh my God, everything I've learned is a lie. And yes. then like out of, out of the corner of my eye, like Christy Harrison was walking up and I was like, Oh my God, I'm about to meet my idol. And like, I'm bawling. And it was just like, so funny. But like, oh I think like you have to let out that emotion and be like, it's okay. Yes. Like it's okay to not be okay in this yes. field. Yeah. Christy, I was interviewing, it was like a five person breakout session and Christy like joined and I literally felt like Beyonce had joined the group thread, like yes. the group chat. I was yes. like, oh. she's amazing. I totally relate too with the internship aspect. Like 
it was like a whole new world when, and I went to University of Delaware and a lot of my like classmates were like me in the sense of very type A, got into nutrition to like get the magic pill of like how to manage your weight. And in my internship, like everybody was just eating essentially intuitively. And I was like, what? Who are these people? They're going to be dietitians. And at first I had like a lot of my own beliefs that I was like, how are these people going to be dietitians? Like if they're going to eat this way and stuff like that. And then I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like they're actually the example of how, you know, a relationship with food can be healthy. And without that, I don't think, you know, and that's why it's so important to model a healthy relationship with food uh, and to show people that it is okay to have pizza at lunch if that's what you want or have the salad or whatever it is. So how long have you had your practice? How, like, how long were you in like the quote unquote weight management and then shifting into intuitive eating? Yeah. So we, I came down to Florida and had partnered with a dietitian and we, what year was that? 2016. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so it's been about like five years before that I worked for two years in New Jersey as a dietitian in a supermarket, mm-hmm. which I loved that job. Cause it was private, the private practice, like you would counsel, you would give grocery store tours, you do cooking classes, a okay. lot of community stuff. So it was like it was building those skill sets for a private practice without actually having one. But then, yeah, so it's about 2016. And then I was a fence straddler, like splinter asser, like half intuitive <laughs> eating, half diet culture for probably, probably like a year, uh, probably like 2018. And then by 2019, and I, and I honestly think because 2019 was when I went to the workshop with Fiona and Haley. And then I think COVID was such a metamorphosis for myself and so many others where you're like locked inside. If you think of like this analogy I heard yesterday of like a caterpillar, right? Becoming a butterfly, you're like locked inside, you're in that cocoon, like all this stuff is happening, but nobody's like seeing the change yet. And I feel like for me, COVID really forced me for not only like professionally, but then personally we were going through our infertility. There was just like so much that forced me to just be like, what do you want in life? What do you believe? And just like unpacking all of that. Yes. Yes. I love that analogy. I think that's beautiful. Going into your fertility journey, if you feel comfortable sharing, Mm -hmm. you have been very open about your fertility experience on social media and you know, so many women struggle and not enough people talk about it. So if you're open to it, would love to hear your experience with fertility and your struggle and any advice you have for those that are listening that are, you know, still in that. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely share with you guys too. We did an episode on what the actual fork podcast that, that has like all of the tips from like a mental health standpoint. So I won't necessarily get into that, but I'll share that with you so you can link it in the show notes, but definitely. It's just one of those things that until you start trying, like you never know, right? So like one out of eight couples struggle and 30% is related to female factors, 33%-ish related to male factor. And then 33% is just unexplained fertility. And it's so common. Like it's so common. It is common 
But then you think about, okay, well, seven out of eight don't struggle, right? So then you think about how many pregnancy announcements you see and gender reveals and all of that. So when you're going through it, until you start connecting with people in the infertility space, you feel like you're the only one because not many people are running to social media to say like, we've been trying for a year and nothing's happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Everyone's posting like their positive pregnancy tests. So my husband and I are very type A people. We're like, we're going to try month one and get pregnant. <laughs> and then, Planned. yeah. Right. Like, oh my gosh, it was so funny. Not, not funny, but in like looking back, and then like six months went by and they tell you like, oh, wait a year, whatever, whatever. So we tried naturally for definitely a, a little bit over a year and then started all the testing and did all the things. And then, you know, you, you get your diagnoses from your doctors and then you're, they lay out the options and it's just, it's just something you never like would think that you go through because why would you, especially when people aren't talking about it. So Anyways, we ended up going the IVF route with our doctors. We were very fortunate that like, they were like, like, this is it. Like if you try other things, like it's just not going to be worth it for what's going on. So went the IVF route and our first round failed. And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, because they were like, this is it, right? Like IVF is going to work you guys are young air quotes, you're healthy air quotes. Mm -hmm. Can't stand that when people say that shit, but so they made it seem like, Oh, you're going to be one and done. You're going to get this whole batch of embryos. And we, you know, $20,000 later, all these injections later, you're sitting there and you're like, they're like, Nope, didn't work. <laughs> Just like, so you go through this grieving process of like, and they're like, Oh, well, there's like a 50% chance that it could work next time. You're like next time, are you fucking? Right. <laughs> or there's a 50% chance that maybe it's not going to work <laughs> because you're when you're going through IVF, your treatment is just as much diagnostic as it really is treatment. Mm -hmm. So because until they get in there and really see the eggs and how the eggs and sperm interact and all right. of the fun things, so anyways, going through all of that was just it was such as much as it was by far the hardest thing I've ever been through personally, it was such like, looking back, I am so grateful that not only did we go through IVF, but that it failed because it was the one time in my life where I can really say that it taught me, like, you have to give up control. Like you have to surrender. You are not in control of this, no matter how no matter, you know, yes, I can do the drugs and go to all the doctor's appointments and do all the things, but like, we have no control. And that was such a beautiful moment to like going into our second and third rounds of IVF to just be able to live my life. Cause the first round, everything, I couldn't focus on anything. Like everything was about each shot and all I wanted was for it to work. But then my second and third rounds, I would like go out to dinner with my girlfriend and right. like live my life and just like enjoy normal things. So it was such a learning experience, but yeah. So now fast forward, it's crazy. Like this time I'm like, what day is it? This time last year, like right about now we had found out that our numbers were dropping rapidly through that first round of IVF. Like you get a batch of eggs, they fertilize them with sperm, they create embryos, but then you like lose them along the way mm -hmm. with 
different tests. So this time last year, we had found out that like only three of our embryos made it and they were going to genetic testing and all of them were like not usable. They were not viable for IVF. So it's crazy because now I'm sitting here on a podcast and I'm 25 weeks pregnant. And so it's just like how much can change in a year is wild. But like when you're in the thick of it, it's hard to to see anything else. Thank you for being so open and candid because it's, I'm I'm not at that stage yet, but seeing friends who are in that stage of life, it's, you know, as you said, like you open up Instagram and I can imagine how hard it is. Like part of you wants to feel happy for friends that are getting pregnant, but then I can imagine like there's so much grief and pain. Mm -hmm. Like why, why is that happening for them? And it's not happening for me. So you know, thank you. And I'm sure whoever is listening to this right now, like you are touching someone and it's helping them move forward. Thank you. So now that you are pregnant, how does it feel being pregnant? Like any cravings have you, you know, knowing that you do so much body image work with clients, I'm curious how like your own body image has been throughout Mm -hmm. this experience. So take it away. Yeah. So I would say like the whole first trimester, I was still in like disbelief, like I'm not actually pregnant kind of thing. Like my husband and I definitely had to work on like not waiting for that shoe to drop because within for like we had gone through two and a half years of infertility and multiple treatments. So you're just like, and then your first trimester, you can't really like tell that you're pregnant, like physically, like from the outside. So I'm like, there's like not a baby in there. Like there's no way. So I was definitely in like denial for a while from an aversion standpoint, like first trimester, which like, it was funny, like it was kind of fucked up, but like, if I was nauseous or something, we'd be like, yes, (laughs) for us, like, we're like, that means there's something going on, which is like so weird. Um, I was lucky where like, I am very fortunate knock on wood, this pregnant, like getting pregnant has been hellish, but the actual pregnancy itself, like I never threw up once, which like I've had some friends that have, you know, been throwing up for weeks on end and losing weight and malnourished and like, so, so fortunate that for me, it was just like the general idea of certain foods kind of grossed me out in the first trimester, like meat aversions. Um, but other than that, now I'm, I'm like really, you know, in that second trimester where my body is growing and gaining weight and stretching and it is so freaking cool. Like I love it. And it's, you know, I did a TikTok post on this yesterday, how just everyone's experience in life, right? Like outside of pregnancy or fertility or anything is so different because the amount of people that message me, right. That are like, I'm pregnant and I know I should be happy that my body can do this, but I'm really struggling. Right. And so like, I feel so fortunate that I've gone through so much intuitive eating experience and body image work myself that like, I find this beautiful. I also think part of it is, you know, being an intuitive eating counselor and just who I am and my beliefs and values have changed so much where like none of my worth is tied to my weight, right? None of my self-love or my acceptance or my character, none of that is tied to my body image. So for me, 
my body getting bigger, that has nothing to do with me Mm -hmm. in my head. Right. But for clients who there's still so much of their image and acceptance and love is tied to, Mm -hmm. if I'm a smaller, in a smaller body, I'm better. It doesn't matter if you're pregnant. It doesn't matter if you have a medical condition. It doesn't matter if you're just gaining weight outside of those things. Waking is bad air quotes. Right. So I think that's where I'm thinking about how invalidating it is for if someone's pregnant and they open up and try to tell somebody that they're struggling and for somebody to just say back to them, but your body's doing something so beautiful. That's not helping, right? (laughs) Like, yes, the body is doing something beautiful. That is a fact, but that doesn't discredit that somebody is struggling with their body changing. Right. And so that has been, you know, it's interesting. I haven't really tapped into the pregnancy community much on fine food freedom. I think partly some of that is because I know so many of our our community members either aren't at that stage of life yet. um, But I've really wanted to sit with it and kind of, this is helping this podcast is helping, right? Just speak it into existence of like how to help others. But whether you're pregnant or not, I think your body changing, if your worth is tied to your weight or a smaller body, it's going to be hard. So I also just want to add a disclaimer to that. Like, even though I don't struggle with body image per se, your body getting bigger and having no control over it, it is, it's a, it's really fucking weird. Like, it's weird. Like I'll look in the mirror and I'm like, whoa, (laughs) like, and it is, it's uncomfortable. Like breathing is uncomfortable. Getting up off the couch is uncomfortable. So the discomfort and the Mm -hmm. uncomfortableness, if that's a word is valid, right? Like those things are allowed to be there, but I don't have to shame myself or feel like I'm any less worthy of love or acceptance because of that. So that's been really interesting. And it's crazy because I'm only 25 weeks. So I'm like, whoa, like my body's <laughs> going to get a lot bigger. And right. but I'm like weird because I'm like so excited about it. But again, coming from my experience, we've wanted this for so long. So I have a lot of friends that got pregnant really quick, right out of marriage, like not necessarily planned, but like wanted kids someday. And their struggles are valid too. Cause they're like, whoa, 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 I'm not ready to be pregnant. Like, and they're freaking out about it and they're stressed about it. And that doesn't make their struggle less valid than mine. They're just different. Yeah. So I think the piece where you mentioned your identity and your value and your worth being attached to your body is so important in this process. And even just like appearance in general, I have conversations a lot with people how there's so much privilege in being young. And Mm -hmm. if your identity and your self-worth is tied to your youth and your like level of attractiveness, like what happens when you get older? Mm -hmm. And I know that women who are older even struggle with this as well, where all of a sudden, like your face changes and your body changes and you feel so lost and there's so much grief there. So if you can start the process at an earlier stage where you recognize that you are more than your body and you're more than your beauty and finding additional types of values and worth, it's, well, you know, it's so important for a lifetime, not just even in this stage. Absolutely. And I think on that point too, it's like, I feel so grateful 
that like my husband aligns with those values Mm. as well. And because I'm sure you guys have seen this with clients, like partners of any, it it doesn't even have to be your partner. It could be family members, right? We know that family members are like one of the biggest triggers for everyone and, or just loved ones, friends, people that are in your close knit circle and have access to you if their values don't align with that, but specifically your partner, right? Because that's who you're creating this human with. Like my husband is just a fucking angel in that department. And he like loves that my body's getting bigger and thinks it's so cool. And and like, so I can't like, I, again, I have so much privilege in this, in this area. And, but I think it's important to address it because I have supported clients where their partner's their relationship, right. was based off of image. So when their image changes, their partner sees them as less lovable. And that's, that's a huge issue. And you know, that can be so hard. Have (sighs) you guys watched the new season of love is blind? Not yet. Yes, I have it, but I, I love that show. Shake is very and it's so interesting because the people who are judging you like judging your worth based off of your body size is their own beliefs and insecurities and things that they've struggled with and I was um, so happy that he like took note of that and like I said know that. yeah I was like wow I'm surprised it's got um, a long way to go but <laughs> just the fact that he acknowledged it that was great right. to see yeah yeah Brett you have to watch but it's just so interesting like and just through growing up and adulting and, you know, going through therapy and all these things. It's so interesting to, I always, whenever I see something in someone else, I always now reflect back and I'm like, why is that bothering me? Because chances are it's my own beliefs or something that is like just kind of stirring that I haven't addressed yet, you know? So, um, in terms of body image and things like that, it's, it's, it just comes back down to, you know, it's not about you if somebody else is making certain assumptions. And if that's what you're worried about, like, it's not your fault that they feel that way about you. And that's not your responsibility to take on. Yes. Which is like so much easier said than done, but it's like the basis of the work, right? Yeah. I always say like, you can't live your life trying not to disappoint others because you're always going to disappoint yourself. But as a recovering people pleaser, like that is, it's hard. It It takes a lot of unpacking. Yes. And continuing to unpack, right? It's like your relationship with food or relationships in general. You're not just going to check it off the list. There are many things that you have to, you know, continue to work on. I always say like, if you're going to counseling or couples counseling or something, you're not just gonna be like, Oh yeah, we went there and now we're perfect. Like you have to continue to do the work to see the benefits of it. Yeah, definitely. So moving to a slightly different topic, maybe a little bit of a lighter topic. (laughs) I want to talk about your TikTok. (laughs) So for those who don't follow Sammy on TikTok, she is killing it, truly killing on TikTok. And I'm just so happy to see someone like you with a large following who is spreading goodness and spreading, you know, body neutrality and intuitive eating in a space where it can be so diet centric. So Mm -hmm. curious, you know, how you, you know, how you kind of got onto TikTok and Mm -hmm. what that experience has been like as far as helping people truly across the world. Yeah. 
Thanks so much for all the kind words. It's so funny when people say like, I feel like you're killing it on TikTok. Cause we had a, we did an episode the other day with Caroline Dooner, the author of mm. the fuck a diet and tired as fuck. And we were all just talking about how, like, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like getting in like those creative ruts where you're just like, and I think everyone is experiencing that now with like Instagram reels and just all these like different algorithms and how like you just yeah. feel like sometimes you're just saying the same shit over and over. So the it, amount of times that people say you're killing it. And I'm just like, oh, you have no idea what goes yeah, on. Like what our self-talk is like and how like we're yeah. all going to therapy behind closed doors. And yeah. like, I can't do this anymore. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I've tried, I've tried. What I like about TikTok is I've tried to just be like, stop caring about how many views like you cannot because right that's just like external validation that's like basically like body image type stuff Mm -hmm. but it's so hard because like when you're putting all this time and of course you want there to be an ROI and you want it to reach as many people as possible but to go back to how it started it was during COVID and we were recording a lot of episodes of what the actual fork podcast and we were connecting with just so many different guests and it just kept coming up about TikTok and TikTok and be like, oh, you got to get on TikTok. And I was like, no, like, <laughs> absolutely not. Like, Jenna started not- TikTok really early. Yeah, she was earlier. Yeah. Um, and she was like, you have to get on it. And I was like, no, like, it's just going to suck up my time, which that is absolutely <laughs> true. It has <laughs> definitely sucked up my time now, but I was very hesitant. And then you know, just being in quarantine, I was like, fuck it. I'm going to download this app. Let's see what it's about. And it was just like, so diet culture And there was so much of the, like what I eat in a day is, which are still very rampant, but like, just, you know, all the bullshit on there. So I was just like, Oh hell no. So I just started putting up, you know, videos that were kind of like debunking some of that or just talking about intuitive eating. And it's so true on that app. You just really don't know what's going to go viral. Like you cannot guess like some of the things, like I've got, I went freaking viral because I ate a bagel that apparently didn't have enough cream cheese on it. And like that, (laughs) it was not my intention. The whole point of the video was like, you can eat a bagel and cream cheese and like have a lazy Saturday morning and enjoy yourself. But I got like ripped a new asshole for not having enough cream cheese, <laughs> which is fine. Like I was like, I wanted to get on Betches Media, but I didn't think that would be the way that it happened. <laughs> so it's just you just have to laugh. Like again, you got to. I try to just get on that app and talk like I'm talking to you two, like I'm talking to a girlfriend, like and just call it like it is. And so feel so fortunate that it's grown and, and reached we're over 600,000 people Same. now. And yeah, it's crazy. It's really, really crazy, but it's connected us with some really amazing people. It's gotten us clients, like I said, all over the world. Like I never thought we would work with someone in Egypt. Yeah, like that's crazy. Wild. Like one of my clients, I'm like, I want to go visit her in New Zealand. Like it's <laughs> so cool. So, um, yeah. Your TikTok stardom and getting you an interview with Gail King made me be like, maybe I should go on TikTok. Like that, yes. I feel like, like, why not? And I will say it is such a time suck. I could mm-hmm. be on my couch and then all of a sudden, like two and a half hours pass. I'm like, oh my God, like how did it just happen? But yes, like that um, happened and I need to get better with that. That's like, because the other night, like my husband went to bed earlier and I was like, I'm going to like watch something I'll be in. And like three hours later <laughs> of like TikTok scrolling, I'm like, yep. oh my God, 
no, I'll, I'm on my couch. I'm like, I'll be in in 20 minutes. And my fiance's like, okay, so I'll see you in like in an hour and a half. Yeah. And two hours later, I stroll in. But um, hopefully like, and you know, that's such a intuitive eating thing where like we censor our feeds. We only follow things that make us feel good. Like yep. I'm like laughing my ass off oh, on yeah. TikTok or I'm crying because the video is so emotional and I love it. Or yeah. like, yeah. you know, watching like the Elise Myers of TikTok. Like oh, that's what I God. show up for. Love her. Yes. Love. So I'm like, you know what? At least that's what I'm looking at. And it's yeah, not like right. we're sitting there scrolling at things that are like triggering us. Right. So. Or like comparing or, you know, that kind of stuff. I yeah. rarely get diety things, but the second it comes on, I just like swipe because I'm like, yeah. I don't want the algorithm to think that I'm interested in how I lost, you know, X amount of weight. So, but yeah, TikTok is, it's an awesome feature too, because I feel like it's really built for creators even more so than Instagram is. And the fact that it's all video content, like you're clearly engaged, you're watching it, your volume's on, which is so different than Instagram because you could just be mindlessly scrolling. Yes. But it's different. And I, and I do, and most people say it's interesting. I've heard both sides of it, but like people that were on Instagram that have bigger followings that come over to TikTok might be struggling because like on Instagram, they have these like perfectly curated, you know, branded feeds. Yep. And then you come over to TikTok and like, that's not what it's about, like at all. And I put up a video about this the other day that I've even like questioned, like, it's so easy to like question yourself because you're just consuming so much content. I'm like, should I be showing up like first thing in the morning without makeup, like looking like this? But I'm like, who gives a fuck? Like, that's the whole point. Like, right. that's what people want to see. Yeah. So I love TikTok for that because it's unfiltered, it's unedited, mm-hmm. and it's not this like perfect curated. Yes. Feed. I'm curious when you get comments and I'm sure you get a, I don't want to say like hate comments, but I can imagine people get like angry with some of the things that you're saying because it's so opposite of diet culture. How mm-hmm. do you not get offended or angry when you receive yes. certain comments? This has taken me a long time, but I feel like <laughs> I'm finally like, I mean, I'm still human, right? But I think it, it's gotten a lot better. So the first place I would go with that was when we interviewed Evelyn Triboli on our podcast. She she kind of got right to the point that like, if somebody is not reachable or not teachable, do not waste one moment on them. Like your mental energy is worth so much more Mm -hmm. than like chirping and fighting with someone. So like that I've adopted for years now. Like if someone leaves, like there's a difference between a comment of someone saying like, you're a fucking idiot. Intuitive eating is stupid. You're the reason why America has a air quotes, obesity. I don't like that word epidemic. I'm just going to delete and block that. Like that, that's so dumb. Right. But then if someone's saying like, I've struggled with dieting for 20 plus years, intuitive eating sounds great, but I don't think I can do it. Like, are you sure this would work for me? Like, those are obviously very different comments. So, but no, I get a ton of hate, which is kind of funny because like the ones that have 7 million plus views, it's people just ripping me apart. But I'm like, well, I have 7 million views and I go on CBS, so it's fine. Yeah. So I think like, it's kind of part, partly like, like no press is bad press in a way, but I think then it comes back to anybody starting a business, a social media platform, you have to be really grounded and very sure of what you believe, 
what your mission is. And I, I've gone through a lot of that work of like why I show up every day and like what the purpose of my content is. And it's so people can make peace with food and learn how to respect their body. And I only have a very small group of people that if they called me out or if they told me, you know what, Sammy, I think you missed the mark on that one, or that was kind of offensive or whatever they would say, like, then I would turn inward and be like, Oh, maybe I, I really let my ego get the best of me or I, I, I acted out of character. But if some like stranger sitting behind, like no profile picture is like, you need to go back to school and get a new degree. Like, I don't give a shit, you know, like, right. totally but if my know. husband or Evelyn Triboli or Haley Goodrich or Fiona Sutherland, or, you know, Jenna Warner, one of these people tells me that they didn't like something or they take time out of their day to, to call me in kindly, then I'm going to question my character, but otherwise (laughs) I don't give a shit what anyone else. Good. That's amazing. Yeah. I love the reachable and teachable thing because when someone is so resistant, like there's just no point in putting your energy towards it. And I mean, Brittany and I talk about this a lot and you basically just said it too. Before we were here, we were really straddling the fence of like, and this is our profession. We literally learn about this stuff in our profession. This is what we do for a job. Like I can't even imagine how much longer it takes the average person to adopt the beliefs because it's so ingrained in us the opposite way, right? And you mentioned the obesity, um, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are, like why you hate that word, just because, I mean, I think we're all on the same page, but I think for our listeners, they're probably like, why is, why aren't we, why shouldn't we say it? Why are there air quotes? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, I think it's, there's, oh, there's so many ways we could go with this. I would say, I would love to just call out a creator that I'm obsessed with and who does so much education on this and like pass the torch to them. Uh, anybody listening, listening, go follow fierce.fatty or Vinnie Wellsby mm-hmm. on Instagram. Uh, we brought them in to do stuff with our membership and to now they're going to be doing uh, private trainings for our fine food freedom team, just because we're constantly trying to expand our knowledge on fat phobia and weight stigma and all of these things. Um, so they have amazing graphics that I probably reference, but it's like, when we think about the words overweight, like over what weight, right? Like when we think about the words obesity, like who created these words, looking at the medical community, how the BMI scale has just changed overnight where everybody one day was in the overweight category. And then they woke up the next day and they were actually considered obese because they just changed the metrics. And it's just, it's wild. Um, so, you know, being in the intuitive eating profession, knowing that weight does not equal health, right? Weight is just a single data point. We can still talk about it. Weight science is an important part of healing and understanding that weight has more to do with genetics than it does our physical behaviors, but we don't use those words in our practice. And if, if a client is, if a client does reside in a larger body, we let them decide like, how do, how do they want to be categorized? Because when we look at the word fat and we look at the word thin, those are very neutral descriptors 
But when you think about in this fat phobic world that we live in, fat doesn't feel neutral to most people. I want to like pass that over to Vinnie Wellsby, because I think that's an important part. Like we talked about a little bit earlier on this podcast is like getting professionals, getting creators that are in marginalized bodies to like pass the torch to them because we can talk about our, you know, thoughts and beliefs about it, but we're all thin white women. And so I think that can be super helpful on the healing journey. And then for those listening, like a bit, and I'm sure you guys feel this way too. Like your clients need to see people in this space that don't look like us and know that there are people in marginalized bodies or larger bodies or black bodies or whatever gender or sexuality preaching this message as well. And even like naming the privilege is so important. Like when I'm Mm -hmm. speaking with clients who reside in larger bodies, like I obviously always hold so much space and I recognize like I do have thin privilege and it's an, it is important to identify that. And I think so many people are like, well, get almost offended by the term thin privilege because they're like, well, Mm -hmm. I'm still struggling with body image. Mm -hmm. And it's two very different things. You can yes. be in a thin body and still struggle with body image, but it's how the world around you treats you. It's how you are discriminated against in healthcare and certain seating and so many other factors that can come into play. So yeah, thank you for bringing that up. And I think it's also important to recognize there is not a single condition, disorder, or disease that solely exists in people with larger bodies. And I think that is also a very important takeaway point. Thank you for saying that. That's so important. Yeah. And it's so interesting to, like I put up a video where I said larger body or bigger body or something. And somebody was like, we need to stop using larger body and we need to just normalize the word fat. And I was like, yes, I would love to neutralize the word fat, but I personally have never been in a larger body that I feel like I have the, I don't know if authority is the right word, but to make that decision of how they would want to be called, you know? Um, so I think that's a really important thing too, to recognize. And yeah. And I was one of those people when somebody brought up thin privilege, I was like, what do you mean? Like we struggle too. And I'm like, Oh my God, Lauren, give me a break. We're all learning. We did an episode with Tiffany Ima. I believe I'm saying her last name, right? Mm -hmm. Ima Ima, I forget. Mm -hmm. Um, but she, she broke down really well, like the difference between body image work and fat liberation, Mm -hmm. which are two very different things. And so like you said, you know, any size body can struggle with body image. We're not Mm -hmm. saying that if you're in a thin body or a smaller body that you can't have body image issues, but it's very different from fat liberation work. But like you were saying, Lauren, like someone commenting that, right, that's their own opinion because they might feel like they're trying to reclaim the word fat and they're loving that. But if you go and blast that word out on social media, that could offend a lot of people because they might be really stigmatized by that word. Right. That's again, where social media so hard because you're not going to please everybody. Exactly. Never will. So Sammy, what advice do you have for listeners who are just not at the place to reject diet culture? Maybe they're afraid of weight gain or giving up that sense of control. How can we start to move people towards a place of healing while also holding space? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, just recognizing like, that's okay. Like, 
you don't have to do this. And I think that's where like, it's so hard because intuitive eating can become culty too. Where like, you see people like, this is the way. And it's like, okay, well, nobody knows their body better than them. And not everybody has to be an intuitive eater. But if you're noticing like dieting doesn't make me feel good. It's definitely not helped me. It may have harmed me. I've been doing it for 15 plus years and it hasn't gotten me what I wanted. Then I would just invite listeners to get really curious about that. Okay, well, we're living our life right now, right? So let's pretend that 10 years from now, you're in the exact same place and feel the exact same way about dieting, food, your body. Do you want that? If the answer is no, then start to get really curious, right? About like, well, okay, what can we do from here? Mm-hmm. And we have so many free resources on our page that I'm happy to share. Um, if you head over to our Instagram, findfoodfreedomresources.com, we have a free one hour training that is, we do it live every month, but we always have the recording available just because so many new people are coming. And the entire basis of the training is, what the hell is intuitive eating and how do I get started with it? Because I think so many people think it is just air quotes, stopping dieting, right? Like, fuck it. I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want. That is not intuitive eating. And if you do that, you're going to feel like a failure. You're going to feel out of control and you're going to feel like you need to go back on a diet. So I would just encourage people to get curious, to find certified intuitive eating counselors and people that do intuitive eating work and just start reading, right? Like if you're listening to this podcast, you're already curious. So just start getting curious, start questioning your beliefs and get really intentional. Like, do I want the exact same relationship with food, body, and movement 10 years from now? If the answer is no, then just stay open, stay curious, take, take advantage of some of those resources. Love that. Love that so much. I feel like that's the perfect way to end this. And thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom and everything else. Where can listeners find you and how can they work with you? Yeah. The easiest way to find us is probably on social media platforms. So Instagram, we are fine.food.freedom. So there's dots between every word and then TikTok, we are just fine food freedom, no dots. Um, and if you go to either of those social media accounts, our link in bio has everything, but that link in bio is always findfoodfreedomresources.com. Like I said, previously, we do tons of free stuff just so people can get that exposure to see is intuitive eating something even I would be interested in. So that would probably be the easiest way. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at foodtherapypod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.